You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. It doesn't mean that God can't come right where you are and touch your life and bring change, the change we desperately need. What I want to do, too, is continue to pray for those that are on the front line, our first responders, our mail clerks, our grocery clerks, our medical personnel, those folks that are just continuing to keep us moving as a community. I just want to thank all of you and want you to know that you're in our prayers today. Also want to welcome those, again, for the first time that you've come online with us. Thanks for being with us. This is really an honor. It's a privilege for us to be together. And shout-outs to all those people around the world that might be listening to this message. Happy Easter. God is moving. He's doing just a great work in all of our lives. Well, it was about 42 years ago, a little over 42 years ago, Annette and I were married. We just celebrated our 42nd wedding anniversary. I remember it clearly. I remember it for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because she was, she was late. Uh, she didn't show up on time, made me a little worried. I thought maybe I offended her. She got cold feet, took off running. But I found out later that she spent a little more time with her father, just talking to him, maybe getting a little more advice we stood before a, a pastor, family, friends, and, and those in the congregation, and we said these words to each other. We said, I will be true to you, better or worse, richer or poorer, sickness and health. I will love you and cherish you as long as we both shall live. When I spoke those words, I was 21 years old, and that was 19, and little did we know what was to come. How could we? While our vows were sincere, we were pretty naive. Uh, they were honest but lacked experience. What you don't know is really what you don't know. Now I'm older, and some have said that I'm old, but the vows we hold heartily committed ourselves to 42 years ago, they were endearing. But as newlyweds, I have to say this. People weren't knocking our doors down to get spiritual advice. They weren't kicking our door down to get marital advice or wisdom. Why? It's just simple. We were rookies. We were newbies. We really didn't know what we were talking about because we hadn't experienced much. See, the people that married couples were listening to were people who had been married for a while, people who had experienced the ups and downs of life together, who were seasoned. And it really makes all the sense in the world how little time, a little experience can make a difference to whether or not others really take you seriously or not. The Bible says that a man shall leave his mother and father and hold on, take a hold of his wife. I had zero trouble, problem, leaving my parents and clinging to my wife. She's beautiful then, she's beautiful now. But the challenge was this. The challenge was to continue to hold on. And that's always the challenge. That's a challenge with our faith today. So we go through difficult times. Sometimes what happens in marriage as it happens in life, our hold gets weak. Our clinging gets weak. We experience that. But we keep on holding on. I know for Annette and I, we've gone through times that are difficult, but we didn't let go. We stayed with it. We kept clinging on. We kept doing this, holding on during the good and the bad. It's kind of amazing because now Annette and I get a lot of people talking to us about their marriage. They listen. They listen because of 42 years of experience. Something has happened since the first years we were married until now, and that is we've become more seasoned, 
we've become more experienced. And for this Easter, what I want to give to you is a word from someone who was seasoned, because I think we need that. We need to hear a seasoned voice during a time of crisis, during a time of trouble, of anxiety. I want you to hear from someone who started out as a rookie, but through life they gained experience and became a veteran in the faith with tons of experience. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ, one of just a few that was in the inner circle of Jesus Christ. He had seen it all. He had seen everything that Jesus had done. He had witnessed his life. He had witnessed his death. He had witnessed his resurrection. But here's the thing. Peter was no polished. He was no pristine, shiny saint. At least he didn't start out that way. He was a stinky, brawling, ill-tempered fisherman. That's the way that he started. Peter starts on the shores of Galilee in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus said to him, follow me. That's how it always begins. Your journey with Jesus Christ always begins with an invitation. And what follows in Peter's life is nothing short of amazing. Maybe you've experienced some of the similar things in your life where you've heard an invitation given and you've accepted that invitation. That's true with Peter. He heard this invitation from Jesus Christ and he, he dove in. And toward the end of Jesus' earthly life, Peter makes a young man's vow. He says something similar that a husband and wife say to each other on their wedding day. He said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 37, I will lay my life down for you, Lord. I will give up my life until death do we part. But what happens just a few hours later is Peter does something. He denies Jesus Christ not once, not twice, but he denies him three times. This is a man who witnessed miracle after miracle in his own life, was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He walked on water. But later on, what we find out is Peter becomes known as the rock. In fact, Jesus changes his name and calls him the rock. He preached to thousands of people on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 were converted. They came to faith in Jesus Christ. How did that happen? What took place in Peter's life that made a difference? Well, what we can say is this, and we can say it with certainty. What made a difference in his life was the resurrection of Jesus. Peter experienced the resurrection. In John chapter 20, this is what it looked like to him. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, and she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, that's the Apostle John, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. And then... Simon Peter came along behind him and he went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus 
had to raise from the dead. So the question again is, how did the resurrection of Jesus change Peter's life? It changed Peter's life the same way it changes our lives today. What I want to do is I want to look a little forward into Peter's life. 30 years after Peter experienced the resurrection, he wrote a letter. He wrote a letter to people who were in desperate need of assurance. These people had scattered. They were being persecuted. They were living under the the fear of imminent death in their life. In fact, these people had vacated the area of Jerusalem and other places and had gone to a place called Asia Minor, which today is Turkey. They ran. They were hiding. They were threatened. These people were going through a very, very difficult time. And for Peter to write these people, I know, had to mean the world to them. The same words that he spoke then, I think, resonate in our hearts today. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-7, through 7, Peter said these words. He said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice right now, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of great worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You see, this is the the same Peter who denied Jesus, who broke his vows 30 years before, but Peter, he stayed with it. He held on. He clung to Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus, the resurrected Lord, was his answer. And then you hear this amazing testimony. You cannot write something like this. You cannot say something like this without experiencing what Peter experienced. We know that he was probably in his mid-50s when he wrote this letter, only with a few years of life left. Because what happened to Peter was that he laid his life down for Jesus. How did this happen How did the resurrection of Jesus Christ change Peter's life? Well, in this passage, there are three things that he talks about, about believing in the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, first of all, is a step toward hope. Then it's a step toward inheritance. And it's a step toward power. First of all, it's believing in the resurrection. What does it mean? Believing in the resurrection of Jesus is really a step toward hope. I want you to listen to verse 3 again. This is what it says. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What Peter's saying here is he's saying that I praise God for the plan that He has to save us. For the plan that he has to save me. And that's one thing that that we can rejoice in today. Because through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, those that have believed on him can rejoice because God has always had a plan to save us. 
And Peter says that is to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. This is our living hope. That's what allows us to live every day with this abiding hope. No matter the circumstances around us, no matter what we're facing, we have a living hope. We have a hope, but without Jesus and his resurrection, the Bible says there is no hope. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 puts it this way. Paul says, you live apart, and when you live apart from Jesus Christ, you live without God and you live without hope. What do we need today? What do we need more than anything? I think what we need is we need a living hope. It's hope and there's no question about it. Can the world see hope in me? Can the world see hope in you? We're his children. We abide in his faith. We live in his resurrection. The light can shine through us because we do have a living hope. The place where I see whether there's hope or hopelessness the most is is really in funerals, and I've done quite a few over the years. I've been with families who, even though they mourn and they sorrow, they know that their loved one is safe in heaven with Jesus Christ. And so there is a sorrow, but there's a living hope. I've also been with people who aren't sure about the destination of their loved one, and and, and they live this life that's hopeless for at least eternity. They, They aren't sure. They don't know. The difference between the two is remarkable. There is a big difference between having hope and being hopeless. A believer does sorrow. That's The Bible says that. We grieve. We sorrow. But we do it with a living hope. And what we know is that hope sustains us. Hope in the Bible is directly linked not only to our spiritual well-being, but it's linked to our mental well-being, our mental health. And we know that today. Some of us haven't seen human flesh or a life in a while except those that are in our family. We're we're sheltered in. But what we know for sure is that God brings mental and emotional strength to us. The proverb says this. It says in 13 verse 12, when hope is not in sight, our minds can grow sick. So a word to all of us today is that wherever we are, Make sure that our minds and our hearts stay active, engaged in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Stay engaged with God's Word. Stay engaged with each other through social media. There are just a lot of different ways that we can do that today. And I thank the Lord for the different ways that we can do that. Because what we are facing, really, what we're facing is a real sickness. It's around the world. It's called a pandemic. But there's another sickness that we've got to pay attention to. And it can be a virus of our mind, of our heart, if we don't tune in to what Jesus is saying, what God is up to today. So pay attention because there is hope, a living hope. A real and living hope came to Peter through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it wasn't before hope died in his life because he saw Jesus die. He experienced the death of some vision, of some hope Peter's hope died when Jesus died. And I'm certain there are people out there that are listening to this message that have experienced the same thing. Maybe in the last few weeks, your hope has died with your business. Your hope has died with your schooling. Your hope may may have died with your health. Whatever it is you're going through, there's there's that that death that can come. And it's it's a hardship. It's difficult. But our hope is this. That Jesus didn't stay in the grave where dead things stay. He rose and so did our hope. 
we see Peter's hope rise up. We can see our hope rise up because we have a living hope in Jesus. Jesus backed up what he did with his words. Before he ever went to the cross and died, before he ever rose again, he, he spoke some prophetic words all through the Gospels. Some of the words, some of the phrases that, that he brought were phrases like this. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus said, because I live, you may also live. What is the evidence of the resurrection? What is the evidence of living hope in our own life? It's our lives have changed. Our lives have drawn closer to Jesus Christ. That we have a living hope. And we keep reading on in this scripture when you read a little further what Peter tells us. He's saying something to us. He's talking about believing in the resurrection is also not a, only a step toward living hope, but a step toward our inheritance. He says it in verse 4. He says, and into the inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. This is talking about our future. Not just our present, but our future. We know what an inheritance is. An inheritance is the thing that you give or you receive on, on, on the, the occasion of someone's death. They, they make you an heir. That our hope is not just a living hope, but hear this. Our hope is a lasting hope. Jesus came from heaven to earth and he died. And he passed on heaven to his children. That heaven has been given to us. It's an inheritance that Jesus has given to us. And then what Jesus does is he raises again from the dead and we became a joint heir with him. The Apostle Paul says it clearly what our inheritance is really all about in Romans chapter 8 verse 17. It says, now if we are children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His suffering in order that we may also share in His glory. Isn't it true that only a hope that is lasting is hope that is real? If our hope is just for right now, that's really hopeless. If you're just placing your hope in and what you're experiencing now from day to day, maybe it gets better, maybe it gets worse, and our hope fluctuates with our circumstances, that's really, not, that's really not hope. That's not a lasting hope. I have an inheritance in eternity that's not corruptible, that's not undefiable, that, that, it, it, that is undefiable, that's not going to fade away. It's reserved in heaven for me and that's what God's heirs, God's children have to look forward to. What you have to look forward to isn't altogether for the present, but it's also for the future. That's real hope. A living hope is a lasting hope. With this said, the bottom line is your best life isn't now. <laughs> what Peter is saying is your best life isn't now. It, it isn't what you see now. It's not what you're experiencing now, even if it's the best of what we're experiencing now. Our best life is to come. Our best life is in the future. So if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have hope of an inheritance, and your best life is still to come. And I want you to hear that. I, I, I think that's something that that we need to probably repeat to ourselves a few times over. 
given the fact that we're bombarded with the news, given the fact that we see the realities of a pandemic around us, what we can say is that we're going to live through this, we're going to be strong, we're going to be better together, but we know this, we know that our best life is yet to come. Our best life is found in the, in the inheritance that Jesus gives us. Later, Peter writes that all these earthly things will dissolve. He goes on, and if you skip over and jump to chapter 3 of 1 Peter, he says, hey, don't put your hope or your faith or your trust in the things that you see, the things that you touch. All these things will go away. They'll all dissolve. So if all this will be dissolved, what kind of people should we be? What Peter's implying is we should not be materialistic. We should not put our hope in the, the present and everything that we can touch and see. He's talking more about what's coming down the road. So if all of this will dissolve, heaven is more than just a destination. Heaven is a motivation. It's not just something or some place that we're going to end up going to. But when we live every day, we can keep in mind with our eyes lifted up that heaven is something that motivates me. It's something that keeps me going. It's something that brings that lasting hope. It's my inheritance. We have a, a living and lasting hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why today is so important for all of us around the world, in our homes, wherever we are, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My last thought this morning on Easter morning is believing in the resurrection of Jesus is a step toward power. You see, it's a step toward living hope. We find that in Jesus every single day. It's a step toward my inheritance, that my best life is not now, it's to come. And it's more than just a destination, it's a motivation for me. But Peter goes on and he writes in verse 5 of chapter 1, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last days. Do you see what Peter's doing? He's writing a letter to people who are in desperate need, and he's saying, just lift up your eyes. Just pay attention to what Jesus is doing. The same words he's speaking to us today. There is a power here to keep you secure. The word here for shielded by God's powers is a strong word. It really means that God keeps us safe. And it has the imagery, it really has the imagery of, a, of, of Roman soldiers that are charged to protect your life. And that if you were headed on a journey somewhere, these Roman soldiers or these well-equipped soldiers are, are going to keep you safe. That no matter what peril, no matter what you face, what violence may come to your way, what hardship comes your way, they will stay there until their death. They are bound to you. See, that's the strength of the word that Peter uses here. The word kept means you are safeguarded by the strongest, most powerful force in the universe, and that's God. And that happens because we believe in his resurrection. This is a powerful thing. I'm going to put it another way. To all you parents out there, I, I think this would be true. There isn't a parent who is probably hearing this message right now, watching this message, who if they saw their child in harm's way, they wouldn't step in to save that child. 
I don't know how many of you have ever had that experience. Maybe you have. I know I've experienced it, and thank God it's only been one time in my life. But I took all my kids to a swimming pool. They were younger. They were just really learning how to swim. And I was the, the appointed lifeguard. And they were swimming in the pool. And there were a lot of kids in the pool. And they had a lot of swimming devices in there, a lot of floating devices. And I just happened to look over. And I saw my son, who was probably four at the time. He was actually stuck under one of those devices. He couldn't get up. And there was no way that he was going to get out from under that because there were so many other kids floating around on the surface. Immediately when I saw that, my, my heart raced, my adrenaline kicked in, and I dove into the water and I just scooped him with my arms and took him to the other side and lifted him out. And he took this big gasp of, of fresh air and, and, and he looked at me and you could see the worry, the panic in his eyes. But what happened was this, that his, his dad jumped in. My son didn't have the power to save himself, but his father did without a second thought. His father jumped in and saved him. I think for me that just shows how we've been saved. That our Heavenly Father saw us drowning in our pool of sin. He saw that there was no way that we were going to get a fresh breath of resurrected life. He, he knew that that wasn't going to happen as long as we were in this, this pool of sin, caught under the weight of everything around us. And the one thing that we know about our Heavenly Father is He did not hesitate to jump in and save you. He did not hesitate to jump in and save me. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. And we have a hope, a living hope, that does not disappoint us. When we were utterly helpless, Jesus jumped in, I'm paraphrasing, just at the right time and died for us sinners who were drowning in their pool of sin. You see, God has come. And he does not hesitate when it comes to your eternal life. And without hesitation, with great compassion and love, he sent his son to save us. So for me, hearing from a, a veteran like Peter has brought a lot of comfort to my heart. Maybe you've never heard an Easter message like this, but it's worth listening to because Peter writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, of what he experienced and the power of the resurrection in his life, not just when he went into the open tomb, but the power of the resurrection that sustained him for the rest of his life. And he shares that story with us. Believing in the resurrection of Jesus is our hope, it is our inheritance, and it is our power. And this is what I want to do. I want to just invite you, wherever you are, I'm not sure exactly if you're at home or at work or in your car, wherever it is, I want to invite you to come to that place of maybe reconnecting with Jesus. Maybe you're somebody who made vows to Jesus a long time ago like Peter did or like we do with our wedding and our wedding vows, and, and maybe you've disconnected from that. Maybe you've disconnected and you look back and you think to yourself, wow, I, I remember it was when I was at camp or 
It was when I was at church or wherever you might have been where you made those first vows to Jesus. But as time has gone on, you've, you've not lived out those vows. I'm going to invite you today to reconnect with Jesus Christ, how important that is. The resurrection of Jesus Christ invites us to connect with God. To make God's life real in us through Jesus. So you can just say simply now, right where you are, Jesus, I reconnect with you. And if you would like us to know that you're reconnecting, we just want to do this over the internet, we want to do this over social media, you can do this. If you're watching us on Facebook and God's touching your heart right now and you're reconnecting to Jesus, just give us a thumbs up. Give us an emoji that's a thumbs up and we're going to pray for you. We really will. We're serious about this. We don't want you to make this decision alone. You might even be alone right now. You might even be by yourself. But something's happening. God just sweeping over your heart right now. And you know you've been distant. You know you've been a, a, maybe a prodigal. And you're coming home. You're reconnecting with Jesus. Let us know that. And you have a people who will stand behind you. There are people here right now that are praying for you and will continue to pray for you. Maybe you've never made that decision to know Jesus Christ. And today is, is a day of, of reckoning with that. It really is. It's a day of saying, man, I, I, I need to say these vows to Jesus. I need to come to Him and say to Him, Lord, I, I want to follow You for the rest of my life. I want to follow You through this life. And Lord, I know You're my living hope and I know I have an inheritance in You and that You will safeguard me through this time and through the rest of my life by Your by your strength, by your power. If you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that. I know it made all the difference in my life and it still makes a difference in my life today, even bringing this message to you. And I want to just maybe lead you in a prayer that you can do that. And if you pray this prayer and it's the first time that you're receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, the resurrected Jesus, you can do the same for us. Let us know. We want to pray with you. You can just give us a high five on an emoji on the, on the uh, Facebook, on our live Facebook, and we'll respond to that. We'll, we'll pray with you, just a high five saying, yeah, I've done it. Yes, I've done this. So, so let me pray. Father, we've stepped into this day um, of unusual times, of difficult times, where we know the gospel is alive and well. That you're finding so many different ways to get into our life, <laughs> to get into our business. Ways that, honestly, we might not have seen if we continued the busyness that we were on, the, the schedule that we were keeping four weeks ago. But you've put us in this place where we have to look at our own hearts. We have to look at our own relationship and, and really get real with that. We can't run any longer. We can't deny or hide anymore you're, you're pointing things out in us. So, Father, I just pray right now for those that have, that, that have wandered, that have disconnected from you. I pray that there is a reconnecting with Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the resurrected Lord. Father, for those that are coming to faith, maybe for the first time, that they would hear these words that you speak in your word, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart the Lord Jesus Christ in His resurrection, His life, His death, and His resurrection, 
salvation is ours. Salvation comes to us. So Lord, I pray for everyone that's hearing this message today. Every family member, every friend, every home, every place that the gospel of Jesus is going out. Let it bear fruit. Let it bear fruit in our own lives. You have risen from the grave. And we're so thankful for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And we say amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.